Hello! Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I sit down with Rebecca Walls, who is a close friend, a theater companion, and is talking all about her experience through the theater industry and now her experience in grad school. Buckle up! Welcome to Be Me! Excited to have an amazing friend of mine and someone that I've worked with many times over the years, very talented artist, Rebecca Walls. Rebecca is a John Wells Fellow at Carnegie Mellon University, ooh, where she is an MFA candidate in directing. How exciting. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you, Sky. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here. I'm, I'm just so excited to hear more about where you are right now, where you're going, and kind of how you have made it to this point. I mean, Carnegie Mellon, that school is like infamous for being just a fabulous place to learn. And so I, I there was no doubt in my mind that you would move on somewhere amazing like that. Um, But I'm excited to hear more about it and we'll get to how we met and what we've worked on together. Um, But first, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about where you're from, who you are, what you're up to in whatever way you want to. All of the big questions. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, (laughs) yeah. Tell me your life story in approximately two minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's funny because like sitting here in grad school, like a lot of the work that we do is actually about this very thing, like figuring out how to tell your story uh, and how it relates to the big picture stuff. So this is like a great chance to practice that. Um, So yeah. Rebecca. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a theater director. And I think that I'm also becoming more than that and starting to think of myself as more than that. I'm also a writer and a uh, hot glue gun expert. And that's not something that's going away anytime soon. Um, I am from Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, so that's where the story began. If anyone has ever been to Colonial Williamsburg, I grew up like minutes from there. I worked there one summer. So if you visited during the summer of 2012, you may have encountered me in costume, uh, giving a tour of the with house perhaps, or smacking around a a hoop and stick on the palace green. Oh, (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I love Williamsburg, like, and I love the whole, you know, that whole area, 757 slash learning to love the Richmond area as well. Like, can't wait to visit you there, you know, when that's possible. But yeah, after that, I went to George Mason University, which of course is where I met Sky and like so many important people in my life up in Northern Virginia. And then I hung out in that area for including college about eight years, sort of like bopping around between Nova, DC and Maryland doing all sorts of theater jobs, teaching, assistant directing, running a micro company called Who What Where, Theater Collective, uh, eventually worked at Studio Theater uh, in a wild role that we can talk about later. Um, And now I'm in Pittsburgh doing the grad school thing. Yeah, although I feel like I live on the internet (laughs) more so than anywhere else right now. That's real. That is real. I'm sure we'll talk about what it's been like to be, you know, experiencing grad school in just a very unique way and very unique way. <laughs> and what that has has been like for you. Um, 
So when you were growing up, did you always know you want to be involved in the arts or was there a certain, you know, obviously every day your mind is changing when you're growing up, but um, was there anything that stuck out to you that you were super attracted to? Yeah. Um, my, I think the first thing that I ever wanted to be was an astronaut and my parents both worked for NASA. Uh, my oh. dad still does. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. I know that. <laughs> they met on the NASA volleyball team. So the story goes. <laughs> Or at least the story as I ended it into like a simple distilled version now. Um, so, cool. so like, I'm pretty sure that like when I was little, it was like ballerina or astronaut. But then I have like this very distinct memory of being taken to see this local community theater production of A Christmas Carol when I was, I guess, seven. I love how I said I have a very distinct memory and I couldn't remember how old I was. But um, anyway, uh, we went to see this production and act two opens with the Cratchit family in Christmas present. And like, unlike in, you know, movie versions of a Christmas Carol or like, you know, professional theater versions of a Christmas Carol, where there's like three Cratchit children, there were 20. (laughs) Yeah. And there was this part and like the stage is just full of kids, like just like me. And they're all like doing little Dickensian crafts and wearing these adorable little costumes and stuff. And then there was a part where they all got to line up and stir the Christmas pudding and make a wish. And that was like their line. Most of them, that was like their one line in the play uh-huh. was this like little moment. And I was like, wait a second, that, <laughs> that's what I want to do. Um, and so I signed me up for that theater company, which was called Backstage Productions in Williamsburg. And um, I didn't leave. I mean, I guess ever. I didn't leave until I graduated high school, but like still, uh, it actually, uh, actually has officially shut down as of this year which is kind of sad um but yeah you never really leave that stage uh so that's where it all started and i did get to be a cratchit child first i got to be a carousel horse in carousel the lead carousel horse in carousel which the horses were kids yeah we were so like that was the cool thing about this is that the woman who ran it naomi marrow was just like stupid creative like she would it was like great what am I going to do with all of the children? Well, let's make the ones who are a little extra smart, the carousel horses. That gives them something special to do. It gives them, you know, another like costume moment. And yeah. I was the tallest one, I think. And so I was in charge of like shepherding the carousel horses on and off stage and like making sure everyone got where they were supposed to be. Oh. Um, you know, that's how we have 20 Cratchit kids. Cause that was the thing about backstage that was really cool was that like there were never auditions mm-hmm. um, ever. Not even like you sign up you pay to play and then you audition like there were no auditions it was just like you pay five dollars to come to a class sort of drop-in style and then you you get to be in the shows if you want and anyone who wanted to could be in it and like you're always auditioning which I think sounds scary but actually isn't because I think to me it's holistic like these roles are decided based on like your whole person yeah which is cool yeah yeah it was about like passion more so than talent, like whatever talent is, you know, passion is, I think, more measurable, perhaps. Um, Yeah, and that's how I ended up with 20 Cratchit kids. (laughs) And when I was a Cratchit kid, uh, there, I think that the first year I was in A Christmas Carol, because I was in A Christmas Carol for 10 years. uh, And the first year I was one of those Cratchit children, and uh, the stir the pudding and make a wish moment was eliminated, because I think it expanded to like 35 Cratchit children, which was just out of control. So I never actually got to stir the Christmas pudding and make a wish, but that's okay. I got to do a lot of other things. Were you ever, did you ever graduate from the child role to any other roles? (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, I did. So I was I was like generic Cratchit child for several years. And then I got to be Beth Cratchit, who is the one who who says, Mother, I think it's time that I got a job to help support the family too. And the oldest sister, Martha, who has a job, is like, these are like the ones who are like the actual characters. Yeah. <laughs> Martha's like, no, I won't let her, blah, blah, blah. And so I was Beth for a couple of years. And then I was Martha. I think twice I was Martha. And then uh, after that, I was Belle, you know, Scrooge's girlfriend <laughs> from Christmas Past. God, you moved through it I all. I moved through it all. Yeah. That is so fun. That's such like a special memory. I honestly feel like someone the other day told me like the first time they saw theater was a Christmas Carol. Well, to be fair, the first time I saw theater was Cats on Broadway. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that didn't sell it for you. You were that like, not- that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, like, that is almost more classic. <laughs> you were like, that's not for me, but. That is so funny. Well, I feel like that's that's a sweet memory to look back and maybe one day you'll make it back to the Christmas Carol stage. I guess you'd never know. I mean, and it's really cool because that's the other thing about backstage is that like in addition to the students not paying to be there really, all of the shows were free. And so like Christmas Carol in particular, like Naomi always referred to it as her gift to the Williamsburg community, which I just think is really special. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, I was very lucky growing up, though, because my grandmother lived in Manhattan. And so I got to see tons of Broadway shows as a child, as a young person. Um, <laughs> cats just didn't pick it off so well. But after that, <laughs> all in, had a huge Les Mis phase for a while. <laughs> oh, good. That's so sweet. So you knew you wanted to, well, you started on stage, sounds like. So how long were you on stage and did you like start thinking about wanting to direct or do other things as well? Or did that not come till later? Well, I mean, I was just kind of bossy. (laughs) Like I would, I would often be put in these like roles that Naomi created that were like in Annie, Rebecca's going to be the oldest orphan who like make sure the rest of the orphans get where they're supposed to be. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and it would always have like a special little name in the program. Like I think in Annie specifically, I was the little one's caretaker. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, you're basically like the Wrangler, like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Slash what I would actually be doing would be like getting on stage and like placing all of these children like around me in a tableau. So you could see all of right. their faces and they were open to the audience. And so like, love it. I don't really know like where the actual spark came from like it was always kind of there but I guess the first time that I directed anything was in my freshman year of high school actually we at the end of the year our teacher would do this event called for the love of theater like paired with the visual arts show we did like a, a one-act competition play where each class did a competition or class did, like a yeah kind of like yeah 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 <laughs> so like the freshman did a play blah 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 and the first year of it was my freshman year mm-hmm. I like pulled together like a group of people, most of whom weren't really like quote unquote theater people. Like it was really just my friends. And I directed them in this cute little one act play called when Shakespeare's ladies meet. Mm. Yeah. Which I had been in backstage a few years ago and you know, I loved it. And so it's like Portia and Catherine and Ophelia and Cleopatra and Juliet and Desdemona. And they're all like in Juliet's garden and they're like talking about life and men. And, but it's, it's a really sweet play that and like the rest of the classes didn't really do like much of anything quite frankly 
and we won. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Cool. And so like, I kind of adopted that as my pet project for the four years. Like I would still be in most of this, (laughs) most of the shows in high school. Mm -hmm. But like, I always really look forward to this thing at the end of the year. Um, Yeah. And we did like, I don't remember what we did my sophomore year. It was fine. And then junior year, I tried to write this like big musical review spectacular that like went okay. But then senior year, I had this like big crowning glory idea was that I was going to do Romeo and Juliet in 30 minutes. And I was going to do it with all of the women playing the male roles and then get a couple of guys to play the female roles. And that at first, that would seem really funny because like, look at all of this gender bent casting. Isn't it hilarious? Like to see Haley with a mustache and stuff. But by the end, the audience is going to be crying because it doesn't matter. And it was really good. Like I have to say they did a fabulous job and that's still like to this day, one of the things I'm the most proud of. (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. That's so interesting that like as a senior in high school, you were like, let me switch this up on them. This is it. (laughs) Yeah. We had this like huge football player playing Juliet and he did a really good job. That's so fun. I really love, I love that you brought like outside people into that situation. Cause that happened to me as well. I think our freshman year, the freshman could be directed by an upperclassman. I don't know why they didn't like what trust one of us to like <laughs> lead the charge or something. But it was also kind of nice because it was like our, it was the first thing that happened at the beginning of the year. So it was like the first anything theater high school experience. That's fun. And we won my freshman year and it was so fun. And they didn't do a sophomore year. And then for junior and senior year, I directed ours. So basically I'm a director too. So yeah. (laughs) And that's really shocking to me. Like thinking back, like at that time I was pretty like, obsessed I mean like I was like gonna be on stage you know what I mean I I like had physical you know when you have that awful physical pain when you're like watching a theater show and you're like I want to be there like doing it but I also like brought in all my friends my friend Katarina my friend uh Olivia like people not like in the department at all I was like we need people and we can all just hang out and like do these plays and we won both years so honestly maybe I should switch my career (laughs) well it's fun and it's like that kind of spirit of co-creation that comes with people who are not like yes capital a actors whatever that means in the end like my favorite collaborators even to this day are like my friend Brittany Martz for example um who you know, I've directed her and she's like built props for me and we've co-directed things and I've like written things for her to be in and like, you know, titles really only go only take you so far, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And like, you know, with that Romeo and Juliet, like yeah, everyone's just like sitting around my house, like ripping pieces of fabric that we're going to use to signify Montague and Capulet and like, Oh my God. You know, everyone had a pair of black leggings and some boots and (laughs) got a bunch of giant t-shirts and like we just made it all together <laughs> I love that yeah that is just so classic high school <laughs> theater wow I know my best friend was Ro- was Romeo uh okay. and she like to this day is still my my best friend I was her maid of honor in her wedding a few years ago is this Caroline was, this is Caroline yeah Yay! but like another fun fact you might not know about Caroline is that right after she played Romeo <laughs> 
in Romeo and Juliet starring the senior class. Uh-huh. She and her now husband immediately became the prom king and queen. <laughs> so it was like a lot of that kind of thing, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, that is so fun. Oh my gosh. They got married. I know. Well, and Caroline like did the plays. Like she would do the musicals. She okay. She's like a fabulous Irish dancer. That's a fun fact about Caroline. Uh, like a competition level Irish dancer. And so she would always like do the musical because it was like, you know, a fun way for us to hang out. And she loved being in them. But like, you know, playing Romeo was like still like kind of far out of left field for her. Yeah. That's so fun. I love casting against type. (laughs) I mean, it's interesting that now like you're moving further into your career and like you can now make those decisions and like experiment with all new ways of casting and ways of producing plays, which I think is like one of the most interesting parts of theater. It would be boring if you did the same thing every single production of Grease or whatever. That was a bad example because I feel like they do the same thing for (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. So, and then we moved um, obviously to George Mason. And is that when you kind of decided to because there were you could have like a directing and playwriting like concentration or something yeah that's right well so in the end I was like sitting there at the end of high school and trying to decide between UVA and George Mason and so I went and visited both Mm -hmm. and I was gonna like observe a class at both of them and that was gonna be like that's what's gonna decide it but it it was because at UVA I I observed, they had me observe like a freshman acting class taught by like a grad acting student or something like that. And it was like, okay. And I remember they were doing, they were doing that exercise where you take a song and do it as a monologue. Oh God. I've never had to do that, which I am very grateful for. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, this is cool and fun and stuff. And then I, at Mason, they had me observe Rick Davis's directing two class. Oh my gosh. And I was just like, wait, 100% of this is what I want. (laughs) So like, in the end, the easiest choice I ever made. And um, yeah, I mean, Mason is one of the only places, I mean, in Virginia, at least that'll let you concentrate in directing. And I think I after honestly, after observing that class, I was like, yep, that that is it. I love (laughs) that's the thing. Well, the first time (laughs) I ever came in contact with you is when you directed Wojcik and I was a freshman and I was working back I was um war like a wardrobe practicum is that yeah yeah and I yeah I I I like helped out with the the hair and makeup and like wardrobe back uh like in the dressing room as my like practicum and I remember that you were directing and I think I had to sit on on some rehearsals just like because they wanted us to like get the gist of the show and so I like never I always knew you as a director because <laughs> that's the first thing I ever met you doing that's so wild yeah yeah because yeah because you were freshman when I was a junior I guess and then that second semester of your freshman year you were in the rover yes with the beautiful freaking costumes oh, yeah. oh my god those costumes were so stunning yeah they were yeah, and then oh, oh 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 and then you were in Andrew's play right monsters calling home wasn't that that year yeah yeah which yeah. was like your yeah. big star turn at the end of your freshman year when everyone was like oh my god wait it was that oh right yeah 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 
because you were so awesome. Right. Oh my gosh. That, that play really was very impactful. I think, I mean, I, for everyone, but I mean, it just kind of like showed me what, what theater could be in just a new way. I never like experienced that on stage before. And obviously a play like that, you're, you have, there's no, you don't get a choice. You just, it's, it was so easy to feel it all and be very like present in, in the writing. So yeah, that was an exciting semester. I, my freshman year definitely ended on a high note. I think it started off kind of like, you know, the practicums and like doing things where you're like, not, I wasn't cast in anything. So you weren't like on stage. And I was like, Oh my God, am I doing this right? (laughs) Yeah. But I wish I could tell myself like, just chill out and just like, let it come to you and it'll happen. Yeah. (laughs) You'll get the experiences. You were so good on that. And then, you know, also I'm remembering what? that we are like, I think our first like actual bonding moment, because we were kind of like, you know, dancing around each other, not really like interacting too, too, too much that first year mm-hmm. was my, during my senior year and your sophomore year when we were paired up to teach an early morning class. That is, yeah, that's it. With Acting for Young People at uh, <laughs> an elementary school that was like a little ways out and we would get there at like. 7 a.m. I feel like earlier it was bad. It was like a before school class, which still to this day, why would anyone do that? Yeah, but do you remember that's where we wrote like two of the greatest masterpieces? Actually, several of the greatest masterpieces of American yeah. theater. <laughs> we wrote, American. I mean, frankly, because we wrote. That's where, like, the puppy problem. I think I think you had already written that, though. I came, like, a... Oh. Right? Maybe. I thought we wrote the puppy problem together. Well, we definitely wrote the sleepover, the spooky sleepover. Yeah, spooky sleepover. Yeah. The puppy problem, dear listeners, is not a masterpiece of American theater. But the spooky sleepover <laughs> is great. And then, even more significantly, we wrote the Museum Madness play there. Okay, that one? Genius. Like, absolutely incredible. (laughs) Like, every school should have been required to do that. I know. Well, and then a lot of people did. Like, a lot of other people did do that one moving forward. Because it was so good. And (laughs) it, like, taught the acting curriculum within the play. And that was just the best. That was That was really good. Was, did we write Space Jam? Or was that? Yeah. We did. (laughs) You win some, you lose some. Why did they let us? I remember, I do remember, I loved um, that school. And it was like, I had wanted to work with AFYP for, you know, a a while. But my schedule was kind of all over the place. Because I think at that point, I was working at the orientation office. So the only time I had was like 6 a.m. And so she was like, yeah, I have a Friday opening at this school and it was it's with Rebecca and I remember being like oh my god it's with Rebecca like because we had never gotten to actually work with each other before and I was like oh god she is a good teacher I have to like pull myself together and like I learned so much from you after like a semester or two there uh teaching with you I like definitely felt I felt so much better suited for you know moving on to teaching at other schools with other artists and I fully give you the credit because I learned so much well 
but here's what was so cool about working with you was that like as previously discussed I'm a bit of a control freak <laughs> and like typically when we would do this where I would run this like we write our own play format mm-hmm. with the kids I would like just do it all myself and you were like yeah I want to write it with you oh. and I was like what what do you mean you want to put in the effort outside of the time we're in the room? And we did. Like, I remember sitting there and writing the spooky sleepover, like, yeah. together in lounge two oh my. <laughs> at the bottom of the performing arts building. Oh, my God. <laughs> Probably giggling to ourselves, being like, we're geniuses. <laughs> well, we were geniuses, but it was really cool because it was like, you know, it's very infrequent that someone, like, actually forces me to work in a way that's like truly even and collaborative and like actually like holds up their end of the bargain. (laughs) Like I felt like we actually really, you know, were in sync for that, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I search for now. And you were one of the first people that, that I had that experience with. So. Oh, that's so special. (laughs) No, I, I'm, I'm so, so grateful for, for meeting you and working through those things because then later in life we got to actually, work together in deeper capacities such as on stage and um I think the first time that you directed me was we found the wild thing yeah 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 I was like thinking if there was any other like little thing at school but I don't think so I don't think so because I didn't direct a TMP a a 10 minute play sorry (laughs) which is now not even called that anymore (laughs) I know I know but yeah no it's definitely wild things which I guess was like right after you graduated yes I remember that summer I did not even think my audition was good I was stressed out I was like running from somewhere that morning or something (laughs) and then I remember later walking down the big steps you know from the Johnson Center that goes down to like the hub yeah and I like had checked my email and I when I I got the role of Nicole I was like my life is it's perfect (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was just so, I mean, because when you're leaving college, you're like, there's a very good chance that this just goes downhill from here. And I was so excited. I remember, like, calling probably Juliet and Gabby, like, immediately and just was so excited because I finally then got to work with you. You were my friend by then. I got to work with you and Zach and, oh, my God, so many amazing artists. So that was a fun experience. That was a wild experience. (laughs) Like, let's not beat around the bush. That was bananas, like, from rehearsing at at the high school that like I never quite had the sense we were actually allowed to be inside of. Yeah. To like <laughs> that that theater in DC, the DC Art Center with the with, pictures like, the, of the, the rats. Everything. The rats. <laughs> yeah. And that one time we saw one that was like the size of Zach's dog. Were you there for that? I don't actually think I was there for that. I think someone just told me about it. Someone, it wasn't me because I would have remembered that (laughs) and I probably would have quit on the spot. No, but (laughs) I think Zach definitely saw like a dead one on the street or something. And then some, oh God. Yeah. (laughs) But like people showed up for that, you know, like it was, it's a small house. I mean, I guess it seems like, I think it's 44 people in the end, but we were like, packing it by the end and like sort of we were actually turning people away so that was pretty cool yeah you know supply and demand in small theater (laughs) you know if there's only so many seats like it's easier to you know sell out which is like maybe like a 
crass and callous thing to say, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's never about how many people are in the audience, but that show was a good show to have them close and to have... Right. When you're like in a crowded space, there's like something... I probably wouldn't say this now because of (laughs) the state of the world, but in the past, okay. There's something about like getting to breathe with that community and like feel with everyone around you. So, you know, intensely that I think it, it definitely worked for the show and Yeah. yeah, it was special. It was fun. It was crazy. That was great. That was our first official Who, What, Where experience, too. Yes. Please tell me a little more about Who, What, Where. Who, who, what, where. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Always makes me think of the Spy Kids song. Yeah. Who, What, Where Theater Collective is, yeah, essentially me and Zach Wilcox, who's come up a few times today, and Andrew Reed, who wrote the Monsters Calling Home, the 10-minute play reference earlier. Uh, I guess we all just kind of realized that, like, we were you know, sort of independently writing and producing stuff just as ourselves. And it was like over like the course of several French festivals, capital French festivals and stuff. And it was like, well, A, we don't need to be producing anything within the framework of the French festival because it's so expensive. And B, we should give a name to this stuff that we're doing together (laughs) and like seal the deal, make it official. Right. And so that was the genesis of that idea. They had gone to a playwriting workshop at the Kennedy Center where the welders had been like the keynote speakers they're cool yeah the welders are super cool they're like a specifically a playwrights collective in dc and the cohort changes over every two years i think and like over the course of those two years they each get like their like spotlight show that's not what they call it but (laughs) general idea they get like a show that they wrote produced right right and everyone you know the cohort supports the whole time and so zach and andrew had been really inspired by that and I am a director. Oh, sorry. Can you hear my cat meowing? I did hear that. <laughs> Boris is on hey, the podcast. Buddy. Oh, so cute. I love when animals come into the podcast space. I'm actually the boss of the theater company. So um, <laughs> anyway. I should really be interviewing him. I know, right? <laughs> they were really inspired by the welders. And, you know, I was over here like a director and knowing like a decent amount about like admin stuff and like that plus... Michael, who is the first person you interviewed on this podcast, just sat down and was like, I'm going to get you guys nonprofit status and did it. And it all just like really, plus my husband, Dylan, being a web designer and like, suddenly it's all happening, right? Here's our theater company. And um, we did some cool stuff. We did, we found the wild things was the first thing. And I think that was like the most traditional looks like a play play that we ever did. (laughs) Because after that, the other two big projects we did were Midnight Tracks, which was a audio play, which Dylan <laughs> built a mobile app for us. Right. Yeah, that it's all on there. You can listen to the whole play. And then Zach wrote that play. And then Justin Sumblin wrote like a whole entire soundtrack for it. And so we had this like, yeah, yeah we had this like really brilliant day at George Mason and their fancy recording studio where we recorded the whole thing and like recorded all these songs. And it was Super cool. That's where I had my old time radio class. <laughs> the old time radio. Yeah. And then we did um, Spills, which was this super cool play. You saw. Yeah. You were an audience member. It was awesome. It was, we rented like this literal house up in Tacoma Park, Maryland. And it's just this wild little story about three, like, you know, millennials that 
get together to talk about whether or not they want to have a threesome and they do. <laughs> and so it's like, it starts out with like a very extended scene of them all just like talking and getting to know each other, um, featuring just wonderful, wonderful cast. Then the threesome happens, but obviously we're not going to like just do that on stage with an audience member sitting like five minutes away. So the play is written that, so that you can like sort of pick a metaphor for the thing. And we ended up doing sports. Yeah. And so they had like football helmets <laughs> and there was like, <laughs> They put on life jackets at one point and there's like a rowing sequence and there's a synchronized swimming sequence. And then like the crowning glory of the whole thing was was uh, dumping the Gatorade cooler of confetti at the end. <laughs> I loved, I thought it was really well done and it was in such an interesting space. Like the yeah. way you used the house and like the audience was kind of like sur- almost surrounding the stage. Well, and then were you? I was not in an audience participation scene. Okay. I'm outgoing, but not that outgoing. <laughs> yeah. But that was no, fun. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I, I would have sat in one of the seats. It was like, but I was definitely nervous. <laughs> That's okay. We had to like force people to sit in them sometimes. I'd be like, you'll be fine. <laughs> Just sit there. You'll be fine. It's not bad. You get so a free drink. Chat. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I should have done it for the free drink. Well, I also like the BYOB <laughs> situation. <laughs> yes. We like had seltzers. We had like <laughs> white cloths. <laughs> case of white cloth. But it was perfect, you know? Because like, away, it's like you're not, not paying $7 to buy a white cloth at a theater or whatever, right? It's like, you know, removing barriers. And like, that was the thing with who it were as well was that our tickets were never more than, I think, $20 in the end. I think on paper, we said like no more than 25, but they were never more than 20. And like student tickets were always $10. And if you can't afford that, text me, <laughs> was what I would say. Exactly. So that was something really cool about that. And I also loved, and I think you were a part of these, or at least a, a, a audience member at these, the evening of ominous short plays. Yes. Parts one and two at the Ald Shabine in Fairfax down in the basement. That was such like, a good setup. That was so fun. Yeah. And then the parties at, at, um, Oh gosh, what was that place called in DC where we had like the Wild Things Kickstarter party? Sud House. Sud House. Sud House. Oh my God. My friends and I talk about that all the time. They loved it. We always like when we'd be in DC and pass by, we'd be like, that was so fun. Like all my random friends were like, we loved that. Yeah. It was so fun. So, like, you know, building community around the theater and like as a part of the theater is something that's really important, I think. so, you know, that was that experiment, which is pretty cool. And it's a bit dormant right now because, you know, I'm in grad school and Zach is in grad school in England and Andrew is a high school theater teacher now. But like, you know, it's still there and who knows what's next, which is pretty cool. Who knows what yeah. knows where knows, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Probably being in front of a physical audience won't happen for a while, but it does give you time to like... Just be open to different kinds of ideas. You did a virtual play. Yeah. Back in December through CMU, they do this thing called Playground. And it's the Festival of Independent Student Work. And it's like the 10-minute play festival at Mason, but like huge. Because it's like totally student-created and driven. And it's not like exclusively for 10-minute plays. So like, for example, this piece that I I ha- like had an, a kernel of an idea. And then I met a playwright who was like, yeah, I want to write that. Um, his name is Alex. Yeah, Alex Seymour, who also goes here. He's graduating with his MFA in playwriting in just a few months. So hire him. He's great. Um, So we kind of like created this thing together um, specifically to be performed in the house where 
my husband Dylan lives in Virginia while I'm up here mm-hmm. with our two best friends, uh, Brittany, who I mentioned earlier, and um, Aaron Sulkin, mm-hmm. who also like familiar Mason folk. Um, Aaron was like the star of the rover, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, don't think I spoke times. a word to him the whole time. <laughs> I was fair. a scared little freshman. <laughs> but since I've worked with him and he's an extremely enjoyable person. <laughs> yeah. So we knew we had this like entire house with three creative people in it. Mm-hmm. And um, I had it in my head like, I want to do a horror piece that is totally live. And I want to use this house. And like, mm-hmm. here's all the things that could possibly happen. Like, I think it's like about the two guys and then like somehow Brittany is like a ghost or a presence or something. And so like, we know that it's one house, but the audience certainly won't necessarily know that it's one house. And so like, how can we creatively have Brittany moving between their two spaces that is supernatural. Right. So that was like the, the, the core idea was like playing with perception and like, yeah, what the audience doesn't actually know. And so Alec ended up writing this really incredible piece called Memory Card that was like about, uh, she, she was literally like a haunting from the computer, like the ghost of this girl that they had cyber bullied when they were like stupid teenagers back in like 2008. Um, and it was, it was really good in my opinion. Um, and like we, people, the, the most common question that people would ask me after that was how much of that was live? And I'd be like, a hundred percent of that was live. Like we, you just saw the That's one crazy. take. Cause that was the other question. Like, was that, how many takes was that? It's just one. And you just saw the whole thing happen. That's so cool. And he's like running up and down the stairs. Like, <laughs> I don't even remember how many times she did. There was like this little trick where we <laughs> like tied a balloon to a skateboard and she like has to push the skateboard across the floor. It's like, the oh my gosh, goes through the screen. And um, yeah, and there was blood and there was, all sorts of stuff. That's so fun. And I feel like that's such a creative way to utilize the, well, you had a, a, you saw the situation you had, you saw the house, you saw the people and you, I mean, it's so cool that from that you switched it up because I feel like, I mean, it's, people are doing what they can with a lot of the virtual theater, but it is a lot of like, you know, the zoom (laughs) boxes and you're, you know, performing a script and it's great acting and I've gotten a lot out of some performances that I've seen, but it's just so cool how you took, you know, those different parts of your situation and that you got to collaborate with someone new for it, which is also really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That that's like making the most of yeah a bummer kind of situation, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. I mean, it was cool and it was exciting, you know, like, cause to me, it che- I mean, like, you know, the question, what is theater? Of course it's become like a bit reductive and not super useful, but I think what I love about theater <laughs> is that it's live and anything can happen. Yeah. And so like really achieving that feeling was very cool. And like, yeah, just like so lucky to have met Alec. <laughs> he was like at his house in Cape Cod. Oh my <laughs> So gosh. it'd be like us in the house together. And like, here's Alec on the computer from Cape Cod. Like, you know, never could have imagined that kind of thing before. And so then after that, I directed his thesis here at CMU, um, which of course was not a play that was designed to be uh, done digitally. It was a play that was written to be done on a physical stage, but uh, great play, super funny, love it. Like really excited to do it on a physical stage someday. But, you know, even there it was like experimenting with like 
planes and distance and like mm-hmm. how did the play had a lot of combat in it. And so it was like, well, how do we handle that if we don't want to just have like stage directions read out loud? Right. Um, obviously, we're not going to like punch out the right of the screen and I get, <laughs> you know. I'm not going to say sorry, I like, haven't done that. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, we, I think we all have at this point. Right. And so like, felt like breaking open that the possibilities that form a little bit more, you know, I'm all about creating things that are, are, are meant to be presented where you're presenting them. Which I think is why spills worked so well, right? It's because in the end, we were able to tailor it to that house. Yeah. Anything can be a stage. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And that's so important, like, to remind ourselves of as artists. Like, when we th- start thinking about things a certain way, just cut that. Because it really does not have to be a certain way as long as you're, yeah, you know, creating something and working together and collaborating and to, to bring something to someone new. Yeah. So that's awesome. Talking a little bit more about your grad school experience. What has that been like? Did you always know you wanted to go to grad school or did the idea pop into your head, you know, because of a certain reason or how'd that happen? Yeah. Um, I pretty much always knew that I wanted to, um, okay. and part of that is because like, I really do enjoy teaching and I hope that like, you know, with a graduate degree, that teaching at the college level might be able to be a part of my life at some point, if that's, if that's the way the cards land. <laughs> But also, and like, you know, more importantly, like being in a a space, like an intimate space to learn more about like the how and the why of directing Mm -hmm. was something that was really important, like in the quote unquote real world, it was easy for me to get bogged down by like the administration of it all. And like the directing itself becomes somewhat of an afterthought. And like, you reach a point where you're like, well, am I a director or am I a managing director? And I don't want to be a managing director, right? Mm -hmm. So like actually being able to really focus in on craft of what it is that I do was a big impetus behind that. And I, I mean, I still, I still can't, kind of can't believe it. I, uh, I applied to four places, had a few interviews and I got in here, which was my top choice on my first try, which is still kind of unbelievable. Uh, I found out that I got in on the first day that we were all working from home um, because of the pandemic. Right. March 17th. I got the phone call. Oh my God. Your anniversary just passed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, that's, that's literally when I found out. And so like, the pandemic has definitely been colored by that for me, like that it started from this place of like, extreme hope. Yeah. And you know, this year has certainly been different. We um have very little that's actually happening in person. Um, I teach a class while I'm here acting for non majors, which is like a real light in my life. Um, it's so fun. It's mostly just a bunch of like seniors, engineers and computing people who like the waitlist for this class is really long it's apparently it's very popular because everyone wants to take this class anyway so i've been able to teach that on campus which is wild because it's like you know masks on but some of the students aren't here some of them are you know at home in like california or texas or whatever and so i'm sort of like simultaneously teaching people in the room and online oh my gosh so you think you've done it all oh my yeah but it's good you know like i've figured out how to make that work in a way that I think is meaningful for everybody. And yeah, like you can really start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and get the sense that like next year will hopefully be a little bit more recognizable, I guess. Have they made any announcements about like things will be in person or nothing official, but like as it turns to summer and as like vaccinations pick up and stuff, like the, the letters that we get from, you know, university writ large are like, more and more hopeful sounding. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, they just like built an outdoor stage on the lawn. Wow. 
So, that's amazing. You know, that's good. <laughs> I don't know when anybody is going to be able to like be in public without a mask on, but yeah, hopefully we'll at least get to be together in shared space. Yeah, this was wild. <laughs> so yesterday I had like an hour in between two of my classes, and my power went out. Oh, and so yeah, because of the wind. <laughs> it's a mess. I love it, but it's a mess. <laughs> um, so I like zipped over to my classmate's house because there's only two of us in each year here. So I like zip over to his house and like plop down in a chair next to him to take this class together. And it was like really weird being in the same space as this person who I spend a ton of time with. Yeah. And we do spend time together in person, like casually, but like actually together for class. Yeah. It's really bizarre. Wow. Yeah. That's. I can't even imagine, like, my job went virtual, I mean, when the pandemic happened. So, like, I had already spent half a year getting to know these people, and then they were on my Zoom screen. I can't imagine, like, meeting people through Zoom and then, like, not seeing them ever, like, in person. Must be crazy. The whole cast of of Alex Thesis play that I, oh, my God, well, I met Alec in person for the first time when I had to, like, pick up something he had that one of the actors needed it was just like oh oh hey you're like that's so funny yeah as I was leaving from teaching the other day I'm like walking down the hall and it was the first day of rehearsal for hair which is the big musical they're doing and so like I didn't realize this but I guess they're rehearsing it in person so the hallway was just filled with the cast of hair and I hear Rebecca from down the hall and I turn around and it's like was one of the actors from the play that I had just directed I had never met him before. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's wacky. Yeah. That is so crazy. As things start opening up, that's going to be exciting that you get to like start meeting the people in real life. Yeah. It is real life, I guess, right? It now, is real life. It doesn't feel like yes. it. <laughs> like seeing them face to face. Yeah. So after your three years are up, I just usually like to give people the space to like, just dream out loud. Like what is happening next or not even next, like ever, ever. What is happening ever? (laughs) Um, Maybe as a result of the lack of live in-person theater, I've become, I've been getting more interested in film this year. And so I'm sort of in the development process for, I guess at this point, three actually short films make over this summer all kind of like in the interest of trying it out and seeing if that's the thing that I enjoy <laughs> and I'm even good at I do hope that like that can be a part of my professional life in a big way yeah you know I've been on film sets before like student film sets primarily and some like slightly larger ones and like yeah the energy is always just so cool and collaborative and um like the DIY energy is very present there which is something that I respond to um so I'm excited to see if that's a possibility. But, you know, it's like, it's hard to imagine at this point. I mean, another thing that I'm doing right now that I'm going to be, I don't think I've told you about this, actually, (laughs) but I'm going to be doing performing, actually, this summer is I'm writing a one-person show about my grandfather, yeah, who was a Holocaust survivor. And um, we have these tapes of him, like, telling his story, like, cassette tapes. And so I'm creating this this one-person show that I'm going to perform in May, actually. Um, Oh, my gosh, in May? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm allowed to say the details of it yet because it's not like published on the website. But okay. like, I signed my contract. It's happening. <laughs> That's amazing. Congrats. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. And so that'll be like live, like live in person, but also broadcast on YouTube is my understanding. And to me, like that, this one person show is really just like the beginning of my journey with this story. And it's a 
I mean, it's an incredible story. Like it's remarkable that he survived and that I'm here. <laughs> like yeah. I, this is the note card that's been like sitting on the top of my like stack of note cards for that particular project, um, which is a quote from the tapes. And it's a, a guard said to him, like after the war, like right before he finally made it to Israel, like, I can't believe Hitler couldn't find one additional bullet for you. Oh. So like, my God. it's a miracle, really. That's intense. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, you know, conversation around the Holocaust has gotten so complicated recently. Um, what with the deniers and the people who have flat out never heard of it being one issue. And then like another issue being, I think that the way that it's portrayed in media is a bit of a problem for me. Like there's that show that came out on Amazon where they were like superhero Nazi hunter Jews. And it was just, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think it needs embellishment. (laughs) Like what in the hell? Yeah. So, you know, I have like a million thoughts and ideas about like how this story might continue to grow and develop like over the course of 10 years. And you just kind of never know um, what could be next, I guess. But, like, I definitely will still be directing plays. I hope I'll also be directing movies. And, like, you know, the idea of running a writing room sounds really cool. I just got to figure out how to yes and my way into that space. (laughs) That's, like, just what you have to do is, you know, I'm glad that you're still exploring. And it's, I'm glad that grad school and even, you know, I know nothing about the pandemic is good. But that you're, like, getting to write more and, like, find new things. I mean, that's that's really all you can ask for like in a time when creativity has been, it's been hard for a lot of people for, yeah, you know, months at a time, which feels so unnatural, but I'm glad that you've got the chance to explore some new things and that new things are coming up. Did you, I, I know I didn't email you back telling you how many theater stories to have, but did you end up thinking about them? It's an interesting question, like theater horror stories. Cause you think there'd be so many and like to circle it back around to the backstage of it all and like tie things together in a weird sort of way. Like stuff went wrong all the time in those shows, like all the time. Figure it out, make it work. Forgot the prop. Well, guess this, you're a maid now. Bring the prop on stage to the person, go, you know? And so like, that was the energy that I grew up with. And like, it really wasn't until I started getting in like those Mason shows where you know, there was actually like much more specific design, for example, that like I started to encounter things that like really could be qualified as theater horror stories. So bo- both of my favorite theater horror stories happened at Mason. And one of them was in the life of Galileo my freshman year during invited dress rehearsal. There's a protest scene and my best friend Hala, she protested with her sign so hard that it knocked a contact out of my eye. <laughs> What? So that was kind of fun. A <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. I like, I thought my eye was, I, and it was dark, right? Because it was like right before the scene ended. And like suddenly I'm backstage, like in a monk robe. Like my eye is watering, but I'm like, is it blood? Uh-huh. But it wasn't. It was just my contact. <laughs> That's crazy. And I'm quite blind. Yeah. But my absolute favorite one, and these are both moments of like me being on stage, which is funny because like when I'm a director and things go wrong and I'm in the audience, that's like, I black out and I don't, I cannot cannot engage. Um, But yeah, I think the funniest thing that ever happened to me on stage was in Hedda Gobbler at George Mason University. Oh my God. I forgot about that for a second. (laughs) Yeah, I know. 
I was Aunt Julie. And at the top of the final scene, Aunt Julie has her second scene of the whole play with Tessman, George Tessman, and Boris. Uh, Boris, what? I know. <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> so right before this scene, two other characters were, you know, doing a scene on the set as, as happens in a play. And oh, yeah. <laughs> one of them, one of the actors acted so hard that he kind of lost control. And he really, like, slammed through the door on his way out. And a backstage, as I'm preparing to go on, I cross paths with Hedda Gobbler herself, Ruthie Rado. And she says to me, hey, you might want to be careful. I think that actor broke the door with his butt on the way out. And I'm like, what? Okay. So I go on stage and I like do the scene with with Tessman, Eric Schlein, the actor. We like do the little scene. Uh And then I'm supposed to like... My sister has just died, and like that's the thing. I'm like, well, we'll carry on or whatever. <laughs> and I turn around, and I go to the door, and I try to open the door because I'm supposed to leave the house, and it would not open. <laughs> and I like sort of turn around, and I look at Eric, and Eric's looking at me like <laughs> deer in the headlights. And I like turn around, and I try again, and I like try to open the door, and no such luck. And I like fully brace myself on the set, wrench open the door. I'm playing like an 80 year old lady. <laughs> so like. I don't know horror stories they're kind of like theater horror stories light but to me <laughs> that's the best I've got oh no I love those I just I think <laughs> you're right that I mean I probably have messed up so many things like hundreds of times but I don't remember any of them <laughs> like it just because you black out or you just keep freaking going and then yeah. you laugh about it later and then it doesn't change your life at all like, so moral of the story is it doesn't freaking matter nothing matters <laughs> but <laughs> one time I was on stage in an improv show where two of the improvisers both dudes uh broke the wall they improv so hard <laughs> gotta love that <laughs> broke the wall what <laughs> Giant hole in the wall of the JC Bistro. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I loved your improv shows. I loved going to those. Those were so funny. Those were fun. <laughs> but anyway, those are my horror stories. <laughs> I love. Thank you for sharing. I, you know, I wouldn't have such a, you know, vibrant theater artist on the show without <laughs> asking her for some of the horror she's experienced. The dirt. The dirt. But... <laughs> Yay! Well, I think we talked about so many great things. I learned so much about you and also got to reminisce about (laughs) working with you. And I just am so excited for the day we get to work together again. So Me too. It's been great to see how you're adjusting to grad school and how all the things you're doing there. So awesome. And I'm so proud and also just not surprised because... (laughs) Since I met you, I knew that you're extremely <laughs> talented and special. So oh, I'm thankful you. I've gotten to follow you over the years and all that you do. So thank you for being on the show and talking. I can't wait for my audience to hear all about you. Yay. Thank you so much. That's all for our conversation with Rebecca today. If you'd like to follow along with her and her journey, you can follow her on Instagram at Rebecca Walls. Her information will also be in the description of this episode. Thank you for tuning in. I hope everyone's having a wonderful day and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.